0: Do you really know the world surrounding you? Do you sometimes feel that other worlds seem to exist beneath the surface of space, time, and reality? Can you picture in your head a situation where all these worlds crash down around you? Can you touch the other side? These are the tales of the fantastical and the power
1: and the supernatural. Oldly influenced in depth by the powers that were, the powers that are, and the powers that will be. Welcome to Dark Charm Presents. Episode 202, A Night's Redemption. Kedwick shoveled hay into his barn for his animals to eat. He'd been doing this for a few hours now, but it didn't matter. It was a rote action, and it happened every day. It became like clockwork at dawn, no matter what day it was, even on Sundays before Mass. He was married, had children, and a farm in Cornwall. There was really no excitement in his life. Tintagel, aside from the Arthurian legends of his birth, was really quite boring to him. They found relics in the remnants of an old castle, but Kedwick never knew when it was built. The people had their stories. Tintagel was a bustling port in early times but it was on a steady decline. Not to say there wasn't something exciting going on. The Horace farm nearby had been having problems with what they thought were wolves. They weren't sure, but their livestock were being slaughtered. Luckily, nothing like that had ever happened to Kedwick. If they only knew. All that changed when he met him. That day, Kedwick was at the docks trying to buy some lambs for his livestock. There was nothing out of the ordinary going on, until Kedwick saw a ship coming in from the distance. It flew the banners of Venice, as it pulled into the harbor. Kedwick's eyes widened as there was another flag flying from the ship, the war banner of King Richard the Lionheart of England. Not that Kedwick gave a damn bet the English, but this also served a second purpose. The ship was coming home from the Holy Land. Merciful Lord, Kedwick said as he was putting his new lands in the carriage pen, Kedwig watched as the crew of the ship disembarked as a man who didn't look like the others exited the ship and made his way to the shore of the docks. He wore chain mail and had the stature of a knight. His tunic, covered blue and gold, were that of the Knights of Jerusalem. A proud honor, to be sure, but the person's mannerisms of someone who felt entirely dejected. What had happened to this man, he thought. He fought for the king, for the pope even. He should have been the most blessed man on the face of the earth. So why did he look so cursed? He pulled off the hood of his chainmail to reveal a thick head of dark blonde hair. Cadwick was too far away to see further, so he walked over to the man, to whom he had purchased lambs.
0: Jervis, who is that?
1: You recognize him? The man called Jervis turned toward the harbor and squinted.
2: The ship looks like a crusader vessel from Venice. The knights must have paid a pretty pound to get that ship to come directly here. How many of them are there? Looks
0: like it's just one.
1: Kedwick muttered under his breath. The knight picked up a large fabric bag and hoisted it to the stable yard nearby to purchase a horse. Kedwick had to see this Englishman for himself. After he loaded the last of his lambs under his carriage, he got in the driver's seat and drove his horse to the stable to get a closer look. The clouds got thicker as the sun's descent into the horizon made things look exceptionally dark as thunder cracked in the distance. Edward got off the carriage and quickly walked toward the stable yard.
0: A solitary crown? This horse is ten pounds gold. It's not enough.
2: That's all I've left, good sir. I'm well, of course, and the Venetians would only bring me here instead of home.
0: Thou aren't supposed to have been a temper, right? Surely thou have-
2: I beg thy pardon. I'm a knight. But it was never part of their order.
0: Well, thou rich, many knights gained great fortune in Jerusalem.
2: Oh, my apologies, but I recommend that thou dost not always believe everything that hearkens. For some of thou, that was merely a fantasy. I barely had enough for the Venetians to bring me to Cornwall. If I had the proper funds, I would have landed in England, instead of thine country.
1: The knight dove into his bag and pulled out a jeweled dagger.
2: But I doth have this. This deck was given to me as an award from King Guy de Delizon of Jerusalem for an attack on his life. Take this in lieu of the last five pounds, it's worth every bit. <gasps> what am I gonna do with thine gift, Englishman? I need
1: gold! Kedwick had had enough of the knight's embarrassment. He should have never had that happen. I'll take care of the rest. The stablemaster looked at Kedwick and smiled. Thou giving him a second crown? Thou <laughs> hast got thyself a great riding horse.
2: My gratitude, kind stranger.
1: He turned toward the stable master.
2: Can I have the dagger back, please?
1: The stable master handed the dagger back to the knight and handed the reins to Kedwick. The knight put the dagger back into his bag and walked out of his stable. Kedwick followed him with the new horse.
0: Sir, here's
1: thy horse. Kedwick called to him as the knight stopped inside.
2: Once again, I appreciate thy kindness, good man, but I'm afraid I have no true way of repaying thee. Kedwick handed him the
1: ring. Thou can
0: start by telling me thy name, sir knight. He turned to Kedwick.
1: His face was scarred, dirty, and careworn. Cared for what? Kedwick wasn't entirely sure.
2: Sir Robert of House Montgomery. Vassal to King Richard I of England and defender of the faith. Well, that was until his majesty passed. Kedawak's eyes widened
1: in confusion. What, my lord?
2: We received word that King Richard passed while on journey home. I'm astonished that the news hasn't reached Cornwall. But then again, I'm pretty sure Cornish do not really care.
0: Cornwall's its own country, my lord. But no one's really happy when someone is dead.
1: Kedawak stared at the knight in disbelief. The knight looked at Kedwick's carriage.
2: As repayment for thy kindness, let me at least help thee corral them into thine home. No need, my lord.
0: Thou hast done so much for Christendom already. It's the least I can do.
2: Then at least let me accompany thee
0: on thy journey home? Yes, my lord. Thou can accompany me if thy wish. And it would also be my honour to host thee for supper this evening. Tis a long journey from Montgomery to Tintagel in night, my lord. And even if thou art a mighty knight, I wouldn't risk thy chances on the beasts of the countryside as of late.
2: I pray thee to be no more of a bother than I already am, good stranger, but maybe I should find a tavern nearby to sleep for the night. The
1: man bowed before he mounted his carriage. Well that's the thing, isn't it? Well,
0: the name is Kedwick, and therefore we are not strangers anymore.
1: Sir Robert decided to take Kedwick up on his offer. A light rain began to fall as Sir Robert and Kedwick traversed the mudded but sturdy road as he headed his way toward Kedwick's farm. Out of the corner of his eye, Sir Robert saw the ruins nearby.
2: And, uh, what can you tell me of this?
0: The village elders and the Earl of Cornwall claim that this is where King Arthur was born.
1: Sir Robert looked at him in disbelief. King Arthur? Yes, one and the same.
2: And dost thou believe King Arthur is a real person?
1: Thou
0: art an Englishman. And doth not believe King Arthur existed.
2: Englishmen I no, I've met King Richard. I've touched his hand, I've battled Saladin's forces and saw the man with my own two eyes. I've marched in battle with the True Cross. And there would be a lot needed to convince me that Arthur was real.
0: Good heavens
2: All in all, someone should be built a castle here. It would do wonders in defending the peninsula. What if there were invaders?
0: We
1: have noble defenders like you to aid us good knight. Silence came from Sir Robert. This made Kedwick wonder just what happened to the knight to give him this newfound attitude. night fell a mile before getting into Kedwick's farm, but they finally made it back. A woman stood on the wooden porch and called out to Kedwick.
0: Kedwick! Tis the third time thou hast arrived home late from town. They didn't angle the price of the lamb, did I?
1: She finally noticed Sir Robert riding with him.
0: Oh, God. Thou need needed the constable escort thee home, then? No, my dear. This is Sir Robert of Montgomery, and he is a crusader coming home from the Holy Land. But he's English, Kedwick. This is going to be a problem if anyone finds out. He will only be here for one night, Keston. Besides, he is Christian, as are we, and doth matter not
1: that he is English in the act of respect and hospitality. Sir Robert sensed the minor tension and waited for Kedwick to make sure it was okay to dismount his horse. He finally got the go-ahead and did so walk toward Kedwick's wife.
2: It is a pleasure to meet you, lady of the house.
1: Keston.
0: You can call me Keston, good sir. And welcome to our home, then. Have Bertrand take the lambs to the barn. I'll help thee in preparations. Preparations for what? As I stated, we are hosting Sir Robert for supper and a bed for the night.
1: It's the least we can do for his service to the cross. <clears throat> After a wonderful meal and a light conversation, Sir Robert sat by the hearth and spoke to Kenwick and his family. He sat with a large tankard in hand as he let his frustration pour out. Several
2: months and a grueling journey later, I finally arrived home to our beautiful Britannia. To be honest, I thought I would never see it again Many of my friends and compatriots are gone. The bloody Saracens thought of that. Ah,
0: oh, savages.
2: Before the Crusades, I would have entirely agreed with thee. But I found that while I was there, they possessed an interest all their own. Some of them possessed an intellect and sophistication all their own. They just weren't Christians. We'll join King Richard on his crusade. Lionheart. We we're going to take Jerusalem back from Christianity and drive Saladin back into the desert. we were to be joined by Frederick Barbosa of the Holy Roman Empire and King Philip II of France. Affordable force
0: against the Muslims, if we ever saw one, Malone
2: <laughs> Yes, yes. Formidable on parchment, perhaps. The Barbarossa drowned in a river and the trek over the Holy Land, and most of his troops went home. King Philip and King Richard bickered endlessly. To the point where Philip and most of his troops left for France soon after. Leading to the Lionheart. To some full command against Saladin's forces. Yes, we were so close in taking back Jerusalem, but it didn't happen. The Saracens are still there, and my friends are now all gone.
1: Young Bertrand was asked to the entire story. And then what happened, Sir Robert?
2: How was that We signed a treaty, and King Richard abandoned his crusade. He decided to head home, and so did we. On the ship to Venice from the Holy Land, I found out that King Richard finally perished. Saladin soon died after. In my heart, I should have ached from my liege, born for our nation's loss and the sorrow of our king. I didn't care anymore. What was all this for? What was this crusade for a treaty, the Templars? does not think it was for christ
0: thou art a noble man sir robert defender of the faith of christianity it disheartens us that thou speaks this way
2: uh, imagine how i felt when i finally saw what was really going on over there all i saw was mass quantities and qualities of blood sinew visceral carnage and horror prince and papa, noble and infidel, Christian and Muslim, and in the end, it didn't matter. The only class that mattered was the living and the dead. Was this glorifying Almighty God? Was this noble and right? We were supposed to be knights. Praised for our virtue and our righteousness. Our sins were supposed to be absolved by the Pope, yet I saw men who were supposedly blessed committing the most horrible of sins, and the ones who weren't, were the most pious and loving people I ever met. That's not right.
1: Keston began to shoo away the children. Oi,
2: boys, Uh, it's it's time for bed. The children
1: began to complain, and rightly Uh, so, as this was a rare occurrence for them. It wasn't every day that a knight had joined them for supper. Kedwick, however, understood the reasons. Sir Robert, although noble in his stature, was speaking of things that you just didn't do. No one really ever questioned the church, especially the Pope. Once Keston got the children to bed, she came back to the parlor area. Sir Robert,
0: there is a spot by the fire tonight in which to sleep. Anytime thou art ready for slumber, thou can use it. Tis my recollection that thou
1: art heading back to England in the morn, yes? Sir Robert realized he was plucking all the wrong strings in this home.
2: Yes, verily I say to thee, I'll be gone in the morn. And once more I thank thee and thy family for the hospitality.
1: He was pretty sure that Kedwick was a staunch churchgoer, and a man trying to be righteous for his family. He had no right to come here and spout off his grievances against the Church and Pope, but they listened to him anyway. Tedwick lifted his goblet, filled with his brew, and smiled. To
0: worthy revelations!
1: Sir Robert nodded and lifted his goblet as well. They drank their pill.
2: Did they craft this me, Tedwick? It's absolutely delicious. Brewed myself? Do you fancy it?
1: Before Sir Robert could answer, however, they began to hear the sound of shouting coming from outside the home. It was the cries for help. One door swung open to see that Kedwick's neighbor Sylvan Horace standing in the path, drenched in blood.
2: Kedwick! Heavenly Father Kedwick! My family! They're all dead! Good
1: heavens! What pray tell happened? Sir Robert looked at the man and didn't rise from his seat. Horace began shaking like a leaf. It, it was clear that he it experienced wasn't severe wolves!
2: Trauma. It wasn't wolves! Was it a bear? It was an owl! A giant owl with mannish features! This finally made Sir Robert stand up. I'm sorry. What does thou speak of? An hour with the body of a man. Brave knight, I know thou'st an Englishman, but I implore thee, kill this savage beast, so our town can be safe.
1: His gait was a little tipsy, but still functional. He addressed Taurus. Sir Robert grabbed his sword and scabbard and began to attack it. Ah,
2: uh, take me there, good man. I'll see what I can do.
1: Ten minutes later, Kedwick watched as Sir Robert dismounted his horse. He tried to be as quiet as possible. Sir Robert looked back at Horace. Go on. Go on. Lead the way. Sylvan Horace trembled like a leaf in a hurricane. Dear God,
2: please don't make me go back in there, good night. Please. Uh, fine. Stay with the horses. I've been through enough, Horace. Chedwick.
0: Thou. Thou want me to go with thee?
2: Thou has done so much for me this day, but I need us thee one more time, just as a lookout. not entirely sure what I'm dealing with.
1: Kedwick had an axe in his hands, but there was a major difference between him and Sir Robert. He knew how to use his weapon as a weapon. Kedwick was dangerous against wood, just not people. Kedwick swallowed loudly. Uh, I will accompany thee. Sir Robert drew his sword and walked slowly toward the small house. Normally, it was lit with a warm fire and had a homely air aura to it. As Kedwick looked at his neighbor's home, it no longer felt like that. Kedwick stumbled into crevices that were filled with the blood of people he knew, people he cared about in his life.
2: Be full of care, Jedwick. Those are impact marks.
1: Impact box? Sir Robert's gaze almost went cold.
2: They remind me of the holes that trebuchets would make when their load would smash into the ground. Whoever did this is formidable to say the least. They opened
1: the wooden door with a large creak. Kedwick saw in the door a print of hands of blood of what must have been Horace's family. He couldn't have possibly imagined what Sylvan Horace must have gone through. Sir Robert walked into the house. He walked with purpose as he entered inside. The floor creaked underneath his armored feet as he looked around for this beast.
2: Kedwick followed closely behind. Does... does thou... does thou see him, m'lord? thy mouth. (laughs) Show thyself, beast.
1: Surprisingly, the beast spoke back. I may be a beast,
2: but how many men did thou kill in the Holy Land? Christian, Saracen, how many women and children? I've killed enough in my life. I'm not afraid to kill again. Thou hast some It knoweth
1: thee. I should hope not. The beast walked into the moonlight. To the horror of both men, Horace was right. The beast was an owl with the shape of a man.
2: How dost thou think I was able to find thee here? I make sure I
1: was quite satiated with the blood of the peasant's neighbor for thy arrival. Sir Robert lowered his sword.
2: Thou knew. The dagger thou received from the false king. It hath more power than just to cut things, me.
1: Sir Robert looked down at his pouch with a dagger laid. He then looked toward Kedwick and then back toward the creature.
2: If I give thee the dagger, we'll still leave this place alone, and these people as well. I seek a sacrifice, as well—one worthy of me, knight. That I see my cults in Jerusalem. Those who thought they were pious to them.
1: The owl man looked at Kedwick in eagerness. The peasant's children doeth nice. Sir Robert pulled the dagger out of his pouch and held it in his hand.
2: Thou wantest the children? Hmm. Thou wilt have to go through my dead corpse.
1: Within one motion, Sir Robert pulled the scabbard of the dagger and threw it at the owl man, stabbing it dead center in the heart of this being. A wailing came from the beast as his clawed hand grabbed the handle. Sir Robert charged the owlman and tried to impale the enigmatic being the blade. The owlman, with great celerity, dodged the blade and grabbed Sir Robert by the yeah. chainmail on his back and threw him as if he were a bale of clay into the wooden wall of the already demolished cottage. ready yeah. readied himself as he knew yeah. himself the only protector of his family. But what was he do? Not even a knight of the Lord could beat this creature, so what chance would he have? The owl man pulled the dagger out of his chest and held onto it tightly.
2: It will take more than this to kill a god.
1: He then dropped it onto the floor as he went after Sir Robert. Sir Robert got to his feet. Thou art no god
2: apostate.
1: He swung his sword and the Owl parried the blade with his massive yes. talons. Several attacks, and the owl man parried every one. Kedwick watched on in horror as the sweat poured down his brow. He looked up to the sky and pleaded, St.
0: Michael the Archangel, thine servant needs thy protection. Please help me.
1: While the beast was being distracted, Kedwick dove for the dagger and took it into his hands. The owl man belted Sir Robert in the face several times and sent him into the table, shattering it to pieces. Kedwick saw the knight's body go limp, and the owl man turned his attention toward him. Giveth it to me, peasant. No! No, I won't be doing that, you hear? Kedwick said defiantly as he put the dagger in his pocket. The owl man did not like what he heard. What?
2: Dost thou think that they have more of a chance to defeat me than a crusader?
1: Kedwick held up his axe, but gave away his fear as his hand shook.
0: God is still on my side! Sir Robert may have lost his faith, but I have not!
1: The beast stared at him, and Kedwick wondered if he had struck a chord in the savage owlman, because the owl-man ran toward Kedwick and leapt into the air. His wings unfurled as if he were to dive upon him like a mouse. His eyes were determined and cold, and his talons were dead set on Kedwick's throat. It was then a miracle occurred. Kedwick's shaky hands were now steady as a pair of white glowing arms seemed to steady him. He saw as a pair of wings envelop him, they were not like that of the Owlman, and he saw that with all inspiration <coughs> he buried at the head of the sharp axe in the chest of the Owlman. The beast wailed in pain as the axe was burning him. A voice came to Kedwick's left ear. Use the dagger and stab him in the head. Kedwick's eyes shot wide as he pulled out the dagger from <coughs> his pocket and slammed it into the Owlman's head. The dagger began to glow a bright white light as the Owlman began dissipating in front of Kedwick. But the truth was more uncanny. The owl man's essence began to be sucked into the dagger. After a few seconds, the Owlman was no more. Kedwick turned to see who had come to aid him and saw an angel wearing armor. <laughs> He smiled at Kedwick and jumped back into the air and disappeared. Kedwick fainted.
0: Kedwick! Kedwick! Wake up, Kedwick!
1: He opened his eyes to see his wife Keston in front of him. Kedwick sat up and composed himself.
0: What? what happened? I'm not sure, love. Uh, Sir Robert, he's not doing well. He's been calling thy name for the past minute. What? Aponeer? There's blood everywhere, and Oris cometh to us saying that thou art in mortal combat with an owl creature?
1: Kedwick stood up and brushed himself off. He looked at the dagger that was on the floor of the Quaint Cabin, now a war zone. It's... it's in there! He could hear the shrieks of the beast within as he gazed at the bejeweled dagger. (laughs) He was being called from further into the cabin by Sir Robert. Kedwick ran over to him as swiftly as he possibly could. Sir Robert was a sight to behold. He was bloated with bruises and cuts all over him. The armor helped only cushion some of the blows of the savage beast, but Sir Robert was on borrowed time. Sir Robert?
0: I am here. The dagger. It's there, my lord. The Owlman is in the dagger.
2: Get it as far away from me as you can. Bury it. Dust what thou wilt. But do not. Do not destroy it.
0: But it was thy dagger. Given to thee by King Yi, correct? I cannot (laughs) take this from thee.
2: It does not matter now. The angel. It came for thee. Joel? You called for him, and he came. I called for him so many times in the holy land. He never came. But he did for thee.
1: Sir Robert saw the angel. It wasn't an illusion. But then it all connected in Kedwick's brain. All the danger and for all the purpose Sir Robert had in the crusade, not once did St. Michael the Archangel come to aid him. Did that mean God Almighty didn't favor the crusade for his own son? Did it mean that they were doing something wrong? Kedwick had to put it past him as Sir Robert died in his arms. Keston began to cry. Is, is he? He's dead. Kedwick didn't hesitate to grab that dagger and ride off toward the southern end of Cornwall. It might have been the nighttime, but the sheer horror of what had just occurred, his adrenaline was pumping like never before. He used to think his boring, mundane existence was a bane in his life, now it is all he could ever wish for. Once he got to the southern end of Cornwall, near Monan, and threw the dagger into the ocean, never to be seen before. Yeah. The beast wasn't seen again. Not until much later. Many, many generations later, the people of Monon and Cornwall began to have sightings of an owl man prowling in their neighborhoods. One could wonder where that dagger might be, if it had been destroyed, and who might know. You have just listened to Dark Charm Presents episode
0: 202, titled
1: Night's Redemption.
0: In
2: the cast, you heard as the Gatekeeper, Jervis and Horace, played by Mac McCloskey, Kedwick, played by Robert Hunter, Sir Robert, played by Miguel Pedroza, Keston, played by Emily McAnalty, The stablemaster, The Beast, and The Angel, played by Danny Atwell, Young Bertrand, played by Nick Nenna, All Rights Reserved, Copyright 2021.